Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Is there anything better than curling up with a new book and a hot cup of tea? Sips by makes discovering tea fun, personalized, and affordable. The Sips by box is the only multi-brand personalized tea subscription box. Each month, Sips by matches you with delicious teas from over 150 global tea brands, big and small, based on your unique preferences. Gift cards and subscriptions are available at www.sipsby.com. Subscribe and you'll receive four new teas each month chosen just for you. Each Sips by box includes loose teas, bags teas, or a mixture of both based on your preference and make 16 or more cups of tea. Sips by accounts for your caffeine tolerance, your flavor preferences, and even your dietary needs. Um, I am a huge fan of the Sips by box even before they were a sponsor. It's super fun to get a subscription box every month that has new teas to try. I love that it lets you try different brands that you maybe like don't have access to locally. Um, it's really helped me expand my horizons there and look at lots of other like online places where I can buy teas because um, I've sort of grown out of the grocery store brands that I normally buy. So Sips by is what's kind of helped with that. So it's really fun to try new brands that you wouldn't have access to and then you get the opportunity and some to dig into some of their other teas that you didn't get in the box. So I think that is a really cool part of this subscription. Follow Sips By, that's S-I-P-S-B-Y, on Instagram for weekly giveaways and more. For podcast listeners only, use the code FORREAL for 50% off your first Sips By box at www.sipsby.com. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is, or try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Kim Ukra, and fellow rioter Alice Burton. Recording on Saturday, December 18th. Hello, Alice. How are you today? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was regaling you right before this podcast with tales of me going to the chiropractor, which uh, is all I'm talking about now. So I'm just it, trying while talking about it to also not talk about it, if that makes sense. How, yeah. how are you? You know, I am doing well. The like, I don't know, December feels like it has just been a lot of stress for me because there's just been a lot of activity and a lot of planning and some things are happening at work. And so today finally feels like a day where I was like, okay, I'm a little bit caught up. I have a few days without a lot of plans before we're going to travel. And so I'm feeling a little calmer after a lot of like, you know, just a lot, just a lot on the brain. But, you know, that's December. I feel like in general, it's just a lot. This December has felt very busy for me, though, and I'm not sure why exactly that is. I feel like, well, there's always like, you know, kind of the end of year trying mm-hmm. to get everything done. And then yeah. also you have the holidays and then people have expectations, which is unfortunate. Um, <laughs> I am very all about not really having expectations from other people other than, of course, reasonable ones. And then being delightfully surprised when something happens. But what was the other thing I was going to tell you in terms of like moral support? No, it was just that uh, that's fantastic that you have a break finally, especially now that we're in this like 
very um, mid to late point of December. Yeah. So it, there's like that week. It can be a lull if you're lucky mm-hmm. right before the holidays. Yes. And then everything, of course, is kind of like crashing into if you celebrate Christmas, Christmas. And then you kind of can get something of a break and then it's New Year's and then there's the desolate landscape of January. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so if you're when you're listening to this, it's going to be I think January fourth. Um, we're recording super early because of the holidays, uh, and also because this is a really it is a special episode for us. This is episode one hundred of the For Real podcast, which Woo! I am just I am flabbergasted by. Yeah, well, because we have we have episodes come out every other week, so it's taken us yeah. some time to get to. 100, but oh my goodness. Uh, We don't even have like a cake shaped like 100 thing, (laughs) partially because I didn't think of it, but also because you're in another state. Yes, different cities, different states. Uh, Yeah, our first episode, I looked it up because I couldn't remember how long it had been, was March 6th, 2018, and our topic was International Women's Day, um, which is a topic we have returned to, I think, every year of the podcast because it's one of our favorites. So yeah, we are, we're celebrating episode 100, so we're going to do something a little different this week. Instead of doing a lot of book talk, we're going to just do some like chit-chatting and interviewing of each other, talk about like our, our podcasting origin story, uh, and then we'll get into some uh, books that are not necessarily nonfiction. So it's a little bit different format for the episode, but we hope that it will be fun since it's episode 100 and it feels like it should be marked by something special, even if we do not have a cake. Speaking of marking by something special and the fact that you reminded me that this comes out in January, I was thinking about how January and February are pretty terrible. (laughs) And after all of the holiday time is crammed into November, December. And I think that there should be some kind of newly installed holidays in January. I know I'm not the first person to think of it, but I was thinking of doing some like specific days where it's like, okay, we're going to do this thing on this day. And I was actually inspired by you because I know you had like, I don't know what you called it, but it was like a hot chocolate bar thing. Yes, we had my sister and I hold a, a holiday party every year and we call it the hot chocolate holiday hoorah. And then every year we give it a new theme. And so this year's theme was the holiday hot chocolate holiday hoorah. And so we use the party to celebrate all holidays because we haven't really gotten to celebrate them for a while. So yes. that's amazing. But you have like a whole assortment of hot chocolate things, right? Yes. Where people can like yep. hot chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that should just be a day. In January, where you Mm. just, like, go all out on hot chocolate toppings and have, like, different flavors to try and stuff. And then it's, like, something to actually look forward to. I have nothing else that I have thought of, but I want to do at least one other thing that's, like, a January event that is doable in one's home because we never know what's going to happen, (laughs) Um, but is still fun. That's fun. I want to do that with you so that we can both celebrate these weird holidays at the same time. I love that idea. Hooray! You can have double hot chocolate time. It's a plan. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's talk about our first sponsor, which is Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. Yes, the Read Harder Challenge is back. It is in its eighth year, and Book Riot's annual Read Harder Challenge consists of 24 tasks designed to help you shake up your reading routine and expand your worldview through books as you explore genres, topics, and formats you might not otherwise reach for. So... 
Come read a queer retelling of a classic, a book by a disabled author, a romance with a protagonist over 40, or an anthology featuring diverse voices. If you need suggestions, that is no problem, for we are Book Riot. Recommendations for each task will be delivered straight to your inbox if you sign up for the 2022 Read Harder Challenge at bookriot.com slash readharder2022. That is awesome. So before we jump in, I want to say one thing I'm excited about with Read Harder 2022 and what I think is going to make me actually try it again, because I, I I go back and forth depending on like how ambitious I'm feeling about my life, but they really simplified the tasks this year. Like They're not quite so specific as they have been in the past, so I think it offers the opportunity to – it's a little bit simpler, I think, to find books that are going to meet the various um, challenge topics, but they're still really – cool and really expand your reading horizons. So I think if you have taken time off from Read Harder or haven't tried it, like this might be a really good year to jump back into it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So for the first half of the podcast, we thought we would just maybe we would interview each other a little bit and talk a little bit about our podcast origin story, how we got started, our time in the bookish internet of the 2010s, because that's that's where we met online. Um, and uh, just a little bit like that. So um, yeah, why don't we start back? Like, how do you remember us meeting for the first time? That wait, in person or online? Either way, either way. I don't remember online, but my assumption is we had some book blogging friends in common, and we would like comment on the same posts. Yes, I think that is true. Your blog, uh, when you had it, was Reading Rambo. Yes. Yeah, that's. I think it's still online. I just haven't updated it in a very long time. Yes, that is mine. Mine was called Sophisticated Dorkiness, and it also exists online still. I just haven't updated it since, like, February 2019, probably. <laughs> you know, it's just, like, I, w- I miss blogging, but I also, like, have other ways of, like, sharing bookish stuff with people now. And so I think maybe, like, there's only so much energy to put into that. And so the blog has kind of just sat for a bit. But it was um, – why did you start blogging in the first place? Oh, that I have a very specific answer to, which... I also have a very specific answer. (laughs) I wonder if everyone does. I was reading an article on Newsweek online, and they were talking about reading challenges, and there was a TBR challenge, which I'd never heard of before, the phrase TBR, and it was Adam from Roofbeam Reader. They quoted him. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, they quoted him, and he there was basically like he was hosting this readathon. It was you pick twelve books from your shelves uh, for the year that you had that have been on the shelf for more than a year, and you will read them. I have never successfully completed this challenge, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to do this, and you had to like sign up with something. And initially, I think I posted like my social media to handle as the sign up link, and then I was like. No, I'll just track it via a book blog. So I created a book blog specifically for this reading challenge. And then from that, I met a ton of people, which again, this was like, I think I started in 2011. And so mm-hmm. it's 10 years later. I am in a group chat with so many of my book blog friends who I talk to every day. I messaged them this morning. And because we're doing a read when you can read a thon this weekend. <laughs> which is literally just kind of read when you feel like it. Um, (laughs) But uh, so I met them. I started working at Book Riot. I started my job switch to like communications and writing partially, I think, Mm -hmm. because I got so much more experience writing through my book blog. Uh, And now, I yeah, that's like my main job. Uh, So I yeah, yay for book blogging, basically. How did how did you get started? 
Yeah. So I I think I was an English major in college. You, I can't remember if you were or not. Comparative literature, ma'am. So cooler than cooler than straight English major. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I was an English major in college, and I was getting to the end of my college career. And I like one of the things I loved about being an English major was just like getting to read and talk about books with people. And I was, you know, heading off to graduate school, and I just I didn't know like how I was going to do that anymore, how I was going to share books with people. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to start a book blog because I thought that would be a fun way to like track my reading and connect with people. And I had no idea what the like bookish internet was like. I just sort of was like, I think I googled like start a book blog and then found some people who did it. And I was like, great, I'm going to do that. So I um, put it together and I started writing like right before I graduated from college in um, 2008. And uh, and the, the nonfiction focus actually sort of happened by accident, I think, because I was also, I started graduate school that fall and I was in a journalism program. And so we were reading a lot of literary journalism and journalistic nonfiction. And so because that was a lot of what my reading was, that is what I was writing about on the blog. And so then like discovered that that was kind of a niche that a lot of people weren't writing about or that people were sort of it was sort of a side to what their general interest was. And so I felt like that was a good like space for me to keep writing. And I, yeah, just started connecting with other bloggers and got started with Book Riot when the site launched and have, yeah, blogged off and on since then. That is, that is fascinating, especially with the whole like how, I guess how your life circumstances dictate what you're reading. My mm-hmm. my major was like 19th century British and French lit. And so I was mainly reading books from the 1800s. Like that yeah. was my main jam. And then at some point I was like, oh, I should probably try to figure out what people are writing now because mm-hmm. that feels like it'll tell me more about the culture in which I live <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to having this knowledge of 19th century culture in Europe. Yeah. So – but I'd also – flirted with the idea of being a history major in college. And I, I really liked reading about history. So I think that's what kind of got me into the the more nonfiction side of mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I do remember your blog covering classics a lot, which or at least more than like some other people. We had Wilkie Collins read alongs. Yes, I remember that. That is really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were really, really fun. We had t-shirts made. But... <laughs> I do love Wilkie Collins. Um, if for a uh, some some of the time, I haven't read all of his stuff, but he yeah. does a good job with making women more three dimensional than Dickens, which is not hard to do. No, that's that's a low bar, but <laughs> but admirable anyway. They were like BFFs. I do love Dickens, but um, yeah, he's terrible at rating women. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So when the nonfiction thing, we met in person at Book Expo America, RAP. In Mm -hmm. 2016. That's my recollection, too. Yeah, because it was in – I think it was in Chicago that year. Um, So normally it's in New York – or most years it was in New York City, but it came to Chicago in 2016. And so I'd gone to NYC a couple of times, but Chicago felt like it was, like, really going to be easy to get there. And so I made it. And, yeah, we met there in person for the first time. And – what I remember is, so Book Expo is this like really giant convention hall where there's like tons of booths and exhibitors talking books. And I'm an introvert and I do not like making small, com- making conversations with people. Like I get very awkward about it. And so it's much easier to walk the floor of Book Expo if you have a person with you because like you can sort of play off of each other and it makes it a little like less just awkward talking to people, I thought. And so 
I feel like we connected on like maybe the first day and then we're like, all right, we're just going to hang out the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't the, we, we did that for another one, right? Cause the, yeah, I think so. The second one was when we got the baking soda wars book. Yes. (laughs) And that one was in New York. Okay. I remember. Yeah, Yeah. And I think that when we early, like maybe when we first met in person, you told me that you thought I was funny and that will immediately mm-hmm. endear me to anyone. So I was like, you I was are, like, amazing. You are funny. You're like the funniest blogger I know, or we're the funniest blogger I know and like still are. Yeah, see, this is just, this is just growing the friendship right here. <laughs> and I super admire that because like I don't find, I don't think that I'm very funny. So I really admire people who like can be funny and like good at writing and all of that. So like I love your recaps and stuff too because they're just so, they're so good. Um, you are a delight to hang out with. And I, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast would never probably get done without Kim guiding, <laughs> steering the ship. Let's <laughs> steering the ship. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I just, I appreciate you. What is something that you miss about book blogging? You know, yeah, that's it. I put the, I, that's one of the questions I put on here and I was like, I didn't think of an answer for it. Um, but I think like, I think like in the like 2010s when book blogging was still like young and new and stuff, like there was a lot of really interesting community there. Like people, it was before like influencers were really a thing and so like you could get like review copies of books but a lot of people were just like writing about the stuff that they cared about the stuff that they got from the library the stuff you know so it wasn't so focused on like new titles and it was a lot of like people commenting back and forth and like after a while like connecting on twitter and not to say that like the community was like without its drama and stuff but I feel like it just was really like more chill than now where like a lot of bookish people on the internet, they're like, there's a like level of professionalism to it, I think that um, is is cool and stuff, but it also feels like less casual than it used to. And I kind of miss that. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, the the whole like it is now kind of a profession thing is is very legit. Yeah. Um, I feel like it looks exhausting. Like whenever I think about book book influencers, is that mm-hmm. a word? I my wife was like, we could be like a, a lesbian book influencer <laughs> couple, and I'm always like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to put in that energy. Like, <laughs> I want to sit on my couch and read. I can't do like an artful display and then like work with the lighting. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd really like the older, not to just be like back in my day, but I did really <laughs> like the older sort of version of interaction because it felt less ephemeral and mm-hmm. you had these posts and then you had comments, but the posts weren't like, you know, part of this. It's not like on Instagram where you then like scroll to the next thing, right? It was kind of mm-hmm. like you could go back to the post, see if someone had like responded to your comment. That's how you met new people. Mm-hmm. And and you could like go to their blogs, which I get you can kind of do with Instagram. And I'm not yeah. even going to touch TikTok because I'm not on it. But no. it's – I don't know. It just felt like it was easier to make friends and meet people. But again, maybe yeah. maybe the this like new group who is doing this, maybe they are able to do that and I am just unaware of the ways in which that is happening. Yeah. I do also like after I said all that, like it's a little bit ironic, right? That like our blogs have both like petered out and now we work for Book Riot and get to do this podcast and like our I guess book influencers in like a different way than like people are on Instagram. So I don't you know, like we're not immune to like have 
losing some of that like difference in community either. You know what I mean? Well, everyone kind of stopped blogging at the same yeah. time, though. Yeah. Which so there's also that it's like if you were posting, there wasn't really a promise that people were going to see it. And I would like to take this moment to mourn the loss of Google Reader. Which, oh, gosh, yes. Right. I think I stopped checking a lot of blogs after Google Reader went away. Yeah, there was not ever a really good replacement, and that was really how I kept up with everybody. So, yeah, that that's a good point that, like, the, the whole – just, like, the landscape kind of has changed, and I don't know that, like, blogging – I mean, there are a lot of people who are still bloggers, but I feel like it's not as grassroots maybe as it used to be. Yeah, and I think that happens with every medium, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we've done 100 podcast episodes. Do you have any topics that have been a favorite of yours? <laughs> okay, my memory is notoriously terrible for things that have happened in my own life as opposed to in mm-hmm. history. So I'm going to say a recent one, which is fell in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, my friend Erin's suggestion. And she... <laughs> She expected we were going to talk a lot about, like, books about, like, caves and stuff like that, and we didn't do that at all. Um, so it was <laughs> her, like, thought on that topic was completely different from what we ended up doing, which I think is really funny. My favorite, I think, one that I really liked doing was our 50th episode, actually, where we did 50 books in 50 minutes. Just because, like, it was kind of a fun challenge to each of us think of 25 books that we love and wanted to talk about and to figure out how to, like, talk about them super fast. Um, I just – it was, in, like, a different – the different prep for the episode than we normally do, which I kind of, which I liked that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Kim briefly mentioned doing a hundred books for <laughs> our hundredth episode, and very quickly also was like, no, no, we can't do that. It's too hard. It was a, it was an idea, and then I was like, never mind. That's a that is a truly terrible idea. Don't <laughs> don't do that. It would be like not fun and like not interesting to listen to. I don't think. I mean, it would be kind of just like naming book titles, but that's fine in its own place. <laughs> I don't know. But it's probably yeah, for the we'll best see. that we did not do it. I think so. Yeah, I think this is this is probably more fun. Hopefully it's more fun. So in addition to nonfiction, I was trying to think of like, what are some other things that we have in common and that we both love to talk about? And one I thought of was our cats. Uh, we both have cats <laughs> and love to talk about them. Not to lean into a stereotype or anything, but we happen to both love books and our and cats. That's <laughs> fine. I mean, we we both don't love tea, though. I love tea, but you do not. Oh, that's true. So that's that's different for the stereotype. I was also thinking we both are very into the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. which I don't think we've ever really talked about like in the podcast, but I'm super into it. Yeah, I'm in like a weird place with it because I was definitely a seven in my 20s. And now I really feel like I am like my my wife met me when I was uh, 31. And so she's very like, you're not a seven. And I'm like, okay, but I like I was. <laughs> so <laughs> it's and now I'm not positive what I am. So I feel like I'm more oh, like whenever I think about the Enneagram, I'm like, oh, am I a Am I a six? Am I a five? I think maybe I'm a six. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Because, like, my understanding is that sort of, like, your core type, I'm an Enneagram one, doesn't really change. And it's more like how that type is expressed and then how you relate to some of the other numbers on the Enneagram. So, like, you probably, like, I don't know. Like, you could still be a seven, but that, like, because you're older and because, like, your life has changed or whatever, like, your relationship to, like, your wings and some of the other, like, stress and um, I don't remember what the other growth thing is besides – yeah, stress and growth have changed. And so, like, 
you look different, even if some of your motivations are still the same. But that's an interesting thing to dig into. Yeah, that's a real possibility. I know that also that the I have a lot of one friends. I don't anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know the enneagram here is like, what is any of this? Shut up. Yeah, uh, the one is the perfectionist. The seven yes. is the enthusiast. So together we make one podcast. <laughs> but oh, I have a lot of friends who are ones, and I think it's be- partially because it, the seven in stress goes to a one. So I feel like mm-hmm. I understand ones. Yeah. <laughs> And then a one in growth goes to seven, I think, um, which I always feel like, anyway, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole too much longer, but. <laughs> so we have that in common. <laughs> we do have that in common. We watch, we both watch TV. I was about to lot. say, wow. <laughs> I was about to say that I don't, did you, do you not watch Bachelor? You just have read some books about it? Yeah, I don't normally watch, although actually this is funny. So I found out that in the current season with, um, what's her name, Michelle, Michelle. they come to Minnesota because she's from Minnesota. And then one of the visits they do in Minnesota is to a farm that is operated by one of the county commissioners of the county that I work for. And so now I have to watch that episode because I'm so curious how this uh, farmer county commissioner shows up on The Bachelor and it feels very small world. Uh, So I'm going to do that soon. Oh, that episode was interesting. They went to like a, a farm and they like met cows and stuff. Yeah, they they have like a number of, you know, farm related challenges that Michelle via the producers tries to relate to relationships. <laughs> you know, like churning butter is hard and so is marriage. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that show. I will say that this Bachelorette is probably my favorite season of The Bachelorette that I've ever Uh seen. I know that people have been like, the ratings are so low, but they shouldn't be because Michelle is amazing and she is like so mature and makes the decisions that you always wish that the lead would make and just is like so good about red flags and I'm just so proud of her. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I am not immune to like trashy reality TV. Like I watch uh, Dancing with the Stars. That is the one that I... uh, watch regularly uh so you know i I do love trashy reality tv so yeah we have okay we have nonfiction. we have uh we probably read different fiction would be uh i think so yeah i read i mean kind of a lot of different stuff but i like genre-y kind of things i read a lot of fantasy like some mystery too i don't read a lot of like classics and i don't read a lot of literary fiction because i find them kind of boring (laughs) I'm making that like grimace emoji face right now. Yeah, I don't think I read a lot of literary fiction. I actually need to up my classics reading. I do try to read like one Dickens a year, which the last one I did was Martin Chuzzlewit, which took me three to four years, but I finally finished it. So now it's Dombey and Son, which, oh my goodness, uh, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) There's like, he has like a middle period where it's just, it's just asking a lot. But anyway... Yeah, but other than that, I'm trying to think. I read a lot of women's history, obviously, Mm because I talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I do have, like, I try to read some classics. I've been doing some more 20th century classics and as opposed to 19th. Um, And I do, like, I'm trying to think about fiction. I'm like, hmm. Oh, I have been doing a lot more sci-fi than I used to. That's really gone up, which maybe it's because the real world is so stressful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like gotta go somewhere else yeah 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 which i don't know if that's your motivation for reading fantasy but yeah it, it feels like a like a stress release to read sci-fi yeah i guess i should say too i also i read a lot of ya and i like romance novels too 
those I tend to both YA and romance novels. I do a lot on audiobook, which is a little bit weird when you get to the spicy parts of romance novels when you're listening to them while you're driving in your car, but it's fine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You do YA and I do middle grade. Oh, yes. I, mm-hmm. I love middle grade. It's so good. That is good. Uh, so speaking of reading, have you thought at all about like your reading goals for 2022? I haven't. I've read. Okay. So I, af- this year, I think I said in the last episode, I had a lot of stressful things happen. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, in addition, obviously, to our baseline, <laughs> baseline <laughs> like massive of events of stress. So it slowed down my reading a lot. Um, I also dealt with, to be candid, some intense depression, which I have gotten help for. So um, that also kind of put a, mm-hmm. a – like stymied my reading, if you will. Yeah. But yeah. so previous years I've reached over 100. This year I reached 75. And I'm kind of like, do I want to again try to go for like over 100 next year? Maybe. I'll let, yeah. You know what? Let's just say <laughs> – like, we'll see how it goes. I'm open to adjusting it. But for yeah. now, I will try to get to 100. That's very impressive. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to set a number goal because – Nice. Yeah, I do, those don't find – like, seem super satisfying to me usually. But I do – I was thinking I would really like to read more – I need to keep reading books off my shelves. Like, I have a lot of unread books in my house. And I did a pretty good job with that this year, but I, I feel like there's more to do. So I definitely want to do that more. One like low-key goal that I thought about for this year that I abandoned quickly was to read every book that I buy in the year, like in the year, so that I would end the year without adding anything to my TBR. Well, wow. and those goals like don't exactly go together because if you're unless I like bought fewer books, which is probably like the ultimate answer to the problem of having too many books in my house. But I'm, I'm thinking about that one as a goal to like read everything I buy. Um, which I think would be really satisfying to just be like, I bought this and then I read it and the end. So yeah, so either like reading my own books and then I also, I have a lot of books around like uh, race and racism and like the history of race in the United States. And so I'd really like to make make it a priority to read more of those this year. Um, I read a few and they just like really helped, I don't know, just like make me think about the world differently and like in a, I think, more thoughtful way. And so I do want to set a goal of some kind about those, um, but I haven't hammered out the details yet. Oh, that's like I am reading The Fire Next Time by James Mm -hmm. Baldwin. And I was reading it and I was like, this feels familiar. And then I looked on Goodreads and I read it in 2017. And I was yeah. like, I was like, okay, this is actually probably partially because it's like so short, but I was like, this is probably one of those books that it's good to revisit because mm-hmm. especially like, I think the time like 2017 to now, there has been such a shift in national mm-hmm. focus, focuses, foci, foc- <laughs> whatever the plural is, <laughs> the national focus, uh, that it also like, I think different parts stand out and it can be... Not quite like interpreted differently, but it, it it hits differently. So I'm glad that I am rereading it. And again, things do not stick in my brain. So especially mm-hmm. like really pivotal texts like that, it's it seems especially good to reread to try to like get those kind of stuck in there, yeah. if you will. Yeah, I like that idea. I also – one of the goals I had for 2021 that I did not achieve that I'm like rethinking how to maybe make a little bit better in 2022 was to – I wanted to like write about every book I read and share it on Instagram, which I did not do. But – so I'm wondering if maybe it was the sort of – I was trying to think like what blocked me from doing that? Like what was the thing that held me up? And I think it was like the public sharing part of it. I just like couldn't 
I don't know. I just had a really hard time with social media this year in general. And so I just didn't feel motivated very often to share like that. But I would really love to have a better record of like my thoughts on the things that I have read, even if it's just like for me personally. And so I think I might adjust the goal to say, I just want to like write some notes about every book I read. And even if I don't share those notes and thoughts, like just having them for myself would be a nice nice thing going forward. So I'm considering that one too. That's great. Yeah, before I just... I just remember before I had a book blog, I had this really nice physical journal that my mm. mom gave me for Christmas uh, when I was a teenager, and I called it my literary journal. Uh, <laughs> like I have that written on the inside. And I just wrote about the books I was reading and my thoughts. So I have that from like 2001 going forward. And um, I haven't looked at it in a while. But yeah, that kind of thing is just really helpful, not only to remind you about what you read, but like what you were thinking about it at that time in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yeah, so that's oh, that's a good idea, Kim. Cool. We'll see. All right. So our second sponsor for this week's episode is TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for. Then sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so it's an option for every budget. Give your bibliologist feedback, update your request to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. TBR is also available as a gift for someone after the holidays or for an upcoming holiday. Just select the plan you want to give, and you can schedule the gift to be delivered any day you want. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. All right, so for the second half of the episode, we're going to maybe we're going to talk a little bit more about books and some of our favorites in nonfiction and also like beyond nonfiction. So um, Alice, what was a book or genre that you loved when you were younger as a kid or middle school or young adult? When I was, let's say, 10, I always listed my favorite book as Gone Away Lake by, (laughs) I want to say Elizabeth Enright. I'm not completely positive on that, but it's definitely Gone Away Lake. And it's about these two kids Julian or Julius, and <laughs> clearly I have not read it in a while. But it's, you know, uh, a kid and his cousin, Portia, and they're staying like in a summer place. And like, so I don't, I have no idea where, but basically they're wandering and exploring around. And there's like kind of like a marshy place and they go through it. And there is a, an old like summer enclave of these Victorian mansions that are like kind of like falling down and stuff. But there's this old man and his sister who still live in one. And so they hang out with the old man and his sister and they, the, they like will tell the kids stories about from when they were little and everyone lived in these houses. And I just love that book. It's so good. Ah, that does sound really delightful. I can't remember any, like too many specific books from when I was a kid, but I remember that we had a really small, like a local branch library that we would go to. And so um, I was a really fast reader as a kid. And so I read through a lot of the children's section very quickly. And like the, so I moved into the chapter books and I read through a lot of those really quickly too. And so when I was not quite old enough, I got to start going into the adult section. And I used to go there and pick up books based on how fat they were, because I needed like long books to hold me over until our next trip to the library. And so um, I got into Michael Crichton super young, and I was really into all of those. So like Jurassic Park, and I don't remember if he wrote Contact, but I read Contact. Yeah, and Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, thank you. But I just got into all sorts of stuff like that. So I would take out these like really fat paperbacks with tiny type, but that were like much too old for me. So like Jurassic Park was definitely one I remember reading when I was like 
And there's nothing really, like, in Jurassic Park that's not appropriate for, like, an 11-year-old. There's a baby eaten in, like, the first chapter. (laughs) Okay, maybe there is. I don't remember. (laughs) Anyway, I read that pretty young. Uh, So I read a lot of that kind of stuff um, when I was little. And then when I got a little bit older, I got super into um, really long series of books because it was nice because you didn't have to think about what we were going to get next. So um, I really loved the Amelia Peabody mystery series which is about a woman who uh, is an Egyptologist, or she wants to be an Egyptologist, uh, but, like, at the time in the, like, 1910s, whatever, she sort of wasn't allowed, but she's got a, like, really aggressive personality. And so she um, tags along with this male Egyptologist named Emerson, and then they, Radcliffe Emerson, and then they, uh, they, like, you know, fall in love, and then there's, like, 25 books in this series about their adventures with criminals and hauntings and all sorts of stuff in ancient Egypt. Well, that's vaguely like Miss Fisher. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, probably... Miss Fisher before Miss Fisher, but yeah, I loved that series when I was uh, like middle school, high school. Interesting. I really, really loved uh, Nancy Drew, but as of course did many mm-hmm. children. But I had um I had very specific requirements for my Nancy Drew reading, which I've noticed is like always a, a thing with me. Like I get really particular about like like typeface for books and like just the general appearance mm-hmm. of uh, hence my constant commenting on covers. But the Nancy Drews with the yellow spines, not the glossy yellow spines, but the matte ones from like the 1950s (laughs) and maybe the early 60s, but not when Nancy has the flipped out 60s hairstyle on the cover. Like, no, no to that. It's the ones that have the illustrated covers in the 40s and 50s with the yellow spine. That is the only acceptable Nancy Drew uh, version for me. And when I was maybe, I don't know. Eight or nine, my mom found a big box of them. Um, This woman was selling them at a yard sale for like $5, like for the whole box. So my mom just got the box for me and I had this massive collection of them to read. And it was so great. Love it. So I have a Nancy Drew memory of – it was not that series. I think it was like a series written by somebody else that like somehow was related to Nancy Drew. But they were like when she was like older and they were like set in the 1980s. And I remember the covers had they look kind of like Sweet Valley High covers, except like I don't they were like adults. And she had this like really enormous hair. And like the boyfriend was like driving a cool car and they were like paperbacks and they were like much more adult than uh, classic Nancy Drew, and like I have no memory of like what they were about or like what the sub anything about them except those covers, which I was obsessed with, and I remember reading those in high school. I want to say that in the original, Nancy Drew drives her own cool car, and it is a speedy red roadster. Yes. <laughs> It could have been that was her car on the cover. I, like, I don't remember. I just remember, like, there's one where she's, like, standing there and she's, like, wearing, like, like acid wash jeans and then, like, a poofy coat with, like, the collar popped and some, like, big sunglasses. And then there's, like, a car in the back and the boyfriend is standing next to it or something like that. I don't know. This is what I'm saying about, like, the importance of the appearance of the book. Like, those covers, especially when you're a kid, are so important and memorable. Like, think about, like, Goosebumps covers or, like – did you read Goosebumps? Yes. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, Goosebumps covers, Babysitter's Club, Babysitter's Little Sister, which I had to read Babysitter's Little Sister first – because they told me I was not old enough to read Babysitter's Club while well, you're off reading Michael Creighton. Mm. 
Uh, no, I got I got told I wasn't old enough to read Babysitter's Club too, and so like part of the reason I like snuck off into the adult section is because I like couldn't. <laughs> uh, and my mom, I like she must have known what I was checking out. Like I know she did, and I don't know why she let me because she was otherwise like very um, not strict, but like paid attention to what I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she was like Michael Creighton's fine. She didn't know about the baby thing. <laughs> did you read Timeline? Probably. It's when they go yeah. back to like medieval something. I think so. Okay. I think I did, yeah. I think that's read the only other Michael Crichton I've read other than Jurassic Park. Oh, you know what I also used to grab that were like very not age appropriate was those Margaret George like really fat stories about like queens of history, but that had a ton of sex in them. Uh, loved those too. I have literally never heard of these. Are you are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, Alice. There these there's these enormous, enormous historical fiction books that are like not historically accurate at all, I'm sure. Uh, there's one like about Cleopatra, there's one about Mary Queen of Scots, there's a ton of them by Margaret George, and they are just they're so juicy and amazing. Um, I'm looking them up. If they were I think you'd hate them. I was very much like a Puritan teenager, and yeah. I'm sure that I would have been Oh, I know these books. Yeah, no, I would have been absolutely anti this just from <laughs> them talking about sex. I would have been like, Mm-mm. yeah, yeah. Next, I read like Elizabeth the First fiction written in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> That's what I was checking out from my library as a teenager. I love that so much. <laughs> love it so much. <laughs> I looked up those Nancy Drew ones. I finally googled and I managed to get it. They're called the Nancy Drew Files, and they're a more adult Nancy Drew that were written in like the nineteen eighties because. 100% those are 1980s book covers. So I'll put a link to it. They're amazing. Oh, those covers are really good. I'm sure that I would have been really judgy about that if we knew each other as children. <laughs> so I, I apologize for that hypothetical behavior of mine. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yeah. Children's series. I love the boxcar children. Um, <gasps> I love the boxcar children. <laughs> loved that so much. I like very, very deeply wanted to be the boxcar children. Oh, my gosh. Did you ever read the Bobsy Twins or was that too 1940s? I think I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a houseboat in one. There was the Bobsy Twins on a houseboat. God, that's awesome. But yeah, no, the boxcar children, anything where it's like these children are off on their own. Whereas, you know, now as an adult, you think about that and it's terrifying. But at the time, yes. it was like, how liberating. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> children on adventures. Loved that. So we should maybe talk about some nonfiction since we do have a nonfiction podcast. Uh, what are some of your either like go-to nonfiction books or topics or like things that you always return to? I really like books about archaeology. I will do almost any book about medieval England, which mm-hmm. is not probably great. <laughs> like in terms of I probably need to branch out more. But I focus so long on the very popular Tudor England time period that now I feel like I'm more and more interested in, in pre that. So I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. at a point right now where I could say I know a lot about it. So I keep reading books about it. I like things about really specific incidents in history that tie into a broader survey of the times. Mm-hmm. That's always a delight. Basically, like, I mean, in broad, like, in very broad terms, history, sometimes science, definitely nature. I pick a lot of those if people haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. When it's, you know, like, here's the story of this animal. Oh, that devil's pupfish book that came out this year. Great. <laughs> it survives in one little pool. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I would say, like, in terms of nonfiction, it very broadly speaking, probably like science, nature, history. Does archaeology fall within history? 
I don't know. Eh, maybe. Oh, anthropology. Anthropology. That too. Um, what about yours? So I really like most things written like I love books written by journalists like I think I appreciate their like approach and I think that they like I like seeing how reporting gets done and some of that so I will read books about almost anything if it's like a journalist doing like narrative writing so not necessarily straight nonfiction but like narrative nonfiction or like storytelling through nonfiction I really love so that's one of, yeah, that's one of the things that I always like when I was blogging and kind of talked about. I just I loved that format and so I would read books about almost anything if that had that kind of storytelling journalistic element to them. I read a lot of memoirs. I really like I really like memoirs. Uh, and I don't have the the concerns that I know a lot of people do about the veracity of memoirs, right? Like I'm I'm interested in the story and the feelings of the that person's life more than I am about like the strict facts of their upbringing or whatever that they're writing about. So, I like that a lot. I tend to do I tend to do a lot of like current political stuff often, although I haven't as much in the last few years because like the world is so difficult that like doing that in nonfiction is really hard. Yeah. But I, I used to really like contemporary politics and that kind of stuff, too. Not by politicians, but just sort of about, like, how the government and the world works and um, how how things get done. So, yeah, I would say I read more contemporary kinds of stuff. Um, but, like, I love a wide variety of topics. And it's more about, like, I feel like I'm a person who will read a nonfiction book about just about anything, provided, like, the writing is really good and the storytelling is really effective, um, which is kind of fun because then I don't ever feel like I'm I'm stuck in one topic. I feel like I get to learn a little bit about a lot of different things. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're definitely the, the go-to person I think of when it's, like, you know, this, like, deeply reported book. And I was always like, oh, no, Kim would probably like that. <laughs> Usually, yes. If there's like, if it's like deeply reported, it's written on like one of the book blurbs. I'm always like, yes, please. <laughs> I also, we've talked about this before, but I love nonfiction with weird subtitles. So like the longer and weirder the subtitle, the more likely I am to pick it up because I just, I just love that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that that has, oh, that's another, it's another thing we have in common. But I guess that's yeah. still a nonfiction thing. So it doesn't count as much. But good subtitles, very important. Uh, super important. Like, Man, a good subtitle will like sell me on something that otherwise I'm not really sure about. So uh, with that, we will wrap up the podcast as we normally do by talking about the books we are reading uh, right now or books we're going to be reading soon. Uh, and so I think as I like maybe alluded to earlier, we're traveling for Christmas um, and hopefully traveling like at this point, things are a little, a little scary and we don't know. But uh, the idea is to go to New York. And so the book I'm excited to kind of take with me and read on the plane is Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead which is his book that came out, I think, earlier this year. Um, it is about a salesman of reasonably priced furniture in Harlem who finds himself uh, getting involved in some crime in his neighborhood. And so it's about that and about gentrification and whatnot in Harlem in the 1960s, which I've heard is really good. And I think Colson Whitehead is such a good author that I'm really excited about this one. Oh, that's – yeah, that is exciting. Um I am reading the same book that I was reading in our last episode, which I <laughs> did not summarize well because you can't do it without giving something away, and I don't want to spoil it. But it is The Three-Body Problem by Cixin, uh Liu. It is sci-fi, and it's really good. And it's part of, I think, a trilogy. So I'm like three-quarters of the way done. I'm really hoping to finish in the next couple days. But 
I will hopefully read the next couple, if, unless it unless it like takes some weird turn that I hate, which books have done before, uh, in the like the last ten percent or something. But <laughs> yeah, I'm really liking it. But yeah, three body problem. Awesome. And with that, you can find us on social media. I am at It's Alice Time and Kim is at Kim the Dork. Our amazing audio editing for this episode was done by Jen Zink. Thank you, Jen. And if you have a minute, we would love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps people find us more easily. And then while you're there, you can follow us so you get new episodes the very minute that they come out. Uh, With that, I'm Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the For Real Podcast.